Open your word to uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. This morning we're looking at chapter 3. Great practical passage of God's word, as is most of this book, just right where we live. We're all people who um, know a good bit about time. We know exactly how much time it takes us to get from home to here, right? How much time it takes us to get from here back. If we take a different route, whether it adds a minute or takes away a minute, we know exactly how much time it takes to get dressed, how much time it takes to get ready, how much time it takes to cook a meal, how much time it takes uh, to watch a football game until, I don't know, yesterday I was interested watching some of the, the, the Clemson game. The announcers kept saying these constant reviews of plays were never intended to add so much time to the game. The game's now a longer amount of time. We're always thinking about time, what time it takes. Um, there are books out on time, time to have devotions with the Lord, uh, how many minutes a day it takes you to read the Bible, how many minutes a day it takes you to learn how to pray. Uh, there are time on exercise. You know, you can get rock-hard abs in 10 minutes a day, three times a week. That's what they say. You know, it, it, just a certain amount of time is all it's going to take. We are constantly thinking about time. Ephesians 5 verse 16 says, Make the most of our time, for the days are evil. Make the most of our time, for the days are evil. I think most of us want to do that. We want to make the most of our time. We are so time conscious. And God has given us Ecclesiastes chapter 3 to figure all that out. How do we make the most of our time? Um, I think the principles we need to succeed at that are found right here in Ecclesiastes 3. The first 15 verses is all we're going to look at this morning. In those 15 verses, the word time is found 31 times. Which means it's clearly the theme of this section. God takes up the subject of how to make the most of our time. And really, I think there's only two major principles. One is to recognize God's limitations. That God is on time. That God's limited our time uh, for everything. And then second, to learn what time constraints we put on ourselves and relinquish those over to the King of Kings who has already determined time limits for most things. God sets time limits on everything, uh, really everything but himself. God is not constrained by time. Uh, verse 1, Ecclesiastes 3, there's an appointed time for everything. There is a time for every event under heaven. So under heaven, that's where we live on earth, there's time for everything. Every single event has... It's on the clock, has its own clock, so to speak. It's, it's time restricted. Everything under heaven. Now, in heaven, we're going to find a different principle. We're going to find God's never been restricted by time. But we are here on this earth. We need to realize that He is the creator of those limits. So if we're going to escape in any way, it's going to be through Him. Well, then He starts giving us a list of uh, things to prove this point, 
that everything has a limit. So let's just look at them one by one quickly and make, make a few comments. Uh, begin to think about it. Number one, verse two, a time to give birth and a time to die. Well, we know that. None of us scheduled our birth. Someone else did that for us. And none of us really schedule our death. We try, but someone else does that for us. God limits when we're going to be born. And the, the, the passage that uh, Jonathan read earlier from Psalm 139, it's just awesome to think about that even before our first day, God's already sat down and created a time chart. And he knows our days, the whole number of our days before we know the first one. That God has the time all worked out. Our birth to our death indicating that everything in between is also on that schedule. God has set a limit to our life here on earth. Um, no one's over contr- in control over that other than God. Second one, uh, verse uh, one is, um, two as well. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. We all know that. It's foolish to plant certain things at the wrong season. Uh, you know, you, you don't plant warm weather plants in cold weather or vice versa. It's not going to work. There's a time to plant. And if you don't get that right, it just doesn't work. Uh, because God has limited when planting's going to occur, when harvest is going to occur, when the four seasons are going to occur, again, it reminds us if we're going to succeed in this life, we must understand God's limits on planting and harvesting, and we must submit ourselves to God and God's limits. Verse 3, a time to kill, a time to heal. There's a time to kill our food, to eat it. There's a time to heal when people are sick for sickness. There's a time to kill. Times of war uh, sometimes are necessary. Times to destroy, self-defense, other times to heal. God has established those from the beginning um, that those things need to occur. Also in verse 3, a time to tear down and a time to build up. Um, our house is about 20, yes, 20 years old now, and so it's time to start tearing stuff down, you know, build it back up. That's the way God designs stuff. I hate that part. You know, I, I wish everything would just last forever, but it doesn't on earth. God has se- seasons we go through with our stuff where there's a time to tear it down and rebuild it, reconstruct it, because it, it's just not made to last over and over. Uh, things wear out, and so we need all sorts of people who do these kind of jobs constantly, tear down and build back up. Verse 5, uh, or still in verse 4, time to mourn and a time to dance. Interesting. Sometimes we think God wants us happy all the time. No, He doesn't. He's designed times of mourning, times of sadness, times of grief, times of loss. Uh, so all of those are included in our time. But he's also the God who turns our mourning into dancing. Some of us think that God's only designed hardship and mourning and grief. And we never scheduled the dance and the laugh and that side of things. And God has scheduled them both. That he wants us to have a time of mourning and a time of dancing, a time of sorrow and time of uh, joy. 
Uh, the next one, verse 5, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. Uh, most commentaries really aren't clear what that means. Uh, it's probably dealing in a cultural uh, aspect of what uh, Solomon may have been dealing with, and that's why we don't get it. Um, the, probably the, the biggest guesses are that a time for gathering stones in construction. You, you are picking out the right stones, and you're casting the ones that aren't suitable. Solomon did a lot of that uh, construction work. So he's gathering stones. He's casting stones. Do the same thing in warfare. Uh, you would be picking up the right stones that you could catapult or throw or uh, destroy in some ways. And other rocks just wouldn't be suitable for that. So it's, it's probably something like that, uh, how stones were used during that day. Um, next, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. As you look at the Word of God on that, I mean, we all get it. There's, there's times where we want to uh, embrace. The Proverbs talk about embrace your kids who are obedient unto you. There's times to shun because of foolishness, foolish behavior, not to uh, encourage the foolish behavior. So there's clearly a time for embracing, a time for, for shunning. Um, it, it, it's, it's interesting to me. I'm, I'm a little careful here to say, uh, that uh, a lot of people have used this phrase, a time to shun embracing as a COVID rule uh, during our day. Uh, when we've already seen in Scripture, even in this chapter, there's a time for healing. When someone's got a sickness and an illness, the Scripture's abundant is that we go and provide mercy and compassion. We don't shun the sick, but we run to the sick and we minister to the sick and we care for the sick. So I think it's a little careless to say that the Scripture wants us to shun embracing. There's a lot in Scripture that does not support isolationism, social distancing, and mask wearing. Uh, so just to pick a phrase like this and say, that, there it is. Uh, it might be a little careless to, uh, to go that route. So think through that when Scripture's clear that um, in times of mercy and compassion, we need to be embracing, not shunning the embrace. Verse 6, a time to search and a time to give up as lost. Uh, there's, we used to have a, a church member here that was involved in one of the search and rescue teams in South Carolina. Uh, and he said it was always dreadful for him when the boss had to make the call, we're going to quit searching and rescue. Now it's just going to be search and recover. Uh, there's this time where you have to give up and you hate when that comes because you, that means you've gone so long, life is no longer possible. Uh, you want to search and you want to recover, but there are times, times come when you have to cease and say that's all the time we can, we can give this because the time is really expired. So there's a time for searching, a time to give it up as lost. Uh, there's a time to keep. There's a time to throw away. Um, we'll probably, I've already started that. Uh, whenever we're cleaning out uh, decorations and stuff for Christmas, you look at uh, some of the stuff you got and say, we really need to throw that out. So there's a time to keep stuff, times to throw stuff out. At the end of the Christmas holidays, you do that again. Oh, I got a replacement for that. Good. I want to throw this other one out. We do that constantly. 
time to keep stuff, time to throw stuff out. Spring cleaning comes around, we, we accumulate stuff, we want to throw stuff out again. Uh, some of you, sadly, uh, have never read this verse that you're supposed to throw stuff out. Um, but anyway, there, there comes a time when you're supposed to do that. Um, time to keep, time to throw away. Verse 7, a time to tear apart, a time to sew together. Um, interesting too, maybe a cultural thing there. In times of mourning, they would often, you, you've read the scriptures where they would tear their robe and fall to their knees and mourn. Uh, time to tear, rend the garment and weep. Uh, there's a time to uh, sew together. Um, so there's that mourning of tearing apart. In times of a wedding, say, there's lots of ladies and men would get together for whatever it would take to, to sew together a wedding garment uh, for the bride and the groom for, for that occasion. Those kind of times come. Um, verse uh, where am I? Time to, to tear apart. Verse 7. Time to be silent uh, and a time to speak. Uh, you, you clearly see that in the book of Job, Job's friends. When Job went through horrific uh, tragedy, uh, losing his family, losing his possessions, his friends show up and they're just silent. It's a time for silence. Um, I've been to a hospital setting where someone just died and all the families there, intensive care kind of facility, uh, the loved one has just died and I've had someone say, hey, let's sing a song, let's sing a hymn. And I think, yeah, that we can do that, but this is really a time. I mean, I don't say that, I, I just kind of go with them, but I, I'm thinking this is a time to grieve. This is a time to mourn. This is, this is more about silence. Um, there will be times for rejoicing, I, and, and we all get that, but there's times where the hurt is just so great, you don't feel like singing. You just feel like mourning. You just feel like empty, and you want to be silent. God says, I, He's designed those times for us as well. There, there's nothing wrong with that. One of the biggest mistakes I think Job's friends made was speaking. They might have been better off if they had just stayed silent a lot longer uh, than the week they gave it. But, so we need those times of speaking. Yes, we need those times of silence. It's the time to edify and encourage, build up, and there's times where we just, we just need to, to chill and let everything wait. Um, also, in that uh, next verse, verse 8, a time to love and a time to hate. Um, God's Word says, love His law. Hate evil. Clearly a command to learn to hate certain things. Hate what, all that which is against God's law, against God. Love all that which is consistent with God and His Word. Um, time to war. Time for war and a time for peace. Uh, God has made both. There's times where he uses whole nations against other whole nations because he says this is a time to make reparations. Uh, this country has gone so far from me and are not submissive to me and God brings another country and, uh, against them in war. Uh, there's times when that's enough and God says let's bring peace. Uh, he is the Prince of Peace and we need to seek his peace. Obviously, Peace is better than war, but both times are needed. 
Um, then you get down to verse 9 and 10, and I think you just get reflection. Uh, what's all this mean? What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? I've seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. So he's using that list. Those are our tasks. We have time for this, time for this, time for this, time for this, time for this. Just goes through all of these things. He says, now what, what does that profit us? What do we learn from all of that? I think one of the things you, he's already saying, we're, we're limited on time. You go back to verse 1 for the answer. There's an appointed time for everything. There's a time for every event under heaven. Uh, so everything has its time. We have to decide whether it's quant. We have to determine a little bit its quantity, its quality. How much time are we giving to all of these things? And what's the quality of life as a result of that? Um, and to think through that takes some goals and some planning. Um, but see that these things are God's time. Uh, if we fail to realize it, we're going to be unproductive and we're going to be stressed. So what are the principles? I think several principles come. First, recognizing God's limits. And then the second one is relinquishing our self-imposed time limits onto God's um, uh, limits. Uh, what should we learn? That we have these time limits that we put. Verse 11. He has made everything appropriate in its time. That's interesting. God's work, it's, it's always appropriate. Always appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in our hearts. So he's made limits, and yet he's put in us a hunger for more. I wish it, this was not limited. I wish I could rise above the sun, and this could just last and last and last. So he's given us that heart for more, and yet in a world that's restricted, that only has so much. And we, we must see that. Um, the, the fact that it's appropriate, verse 11, I mean, excuse me, verse 12, uh, I know there's nothing, uh, where am I? Verse 11, there it is. He has made everything appropriate in his time. He's also set eternity in our heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. So we don't figure it all out here. We have to wait to eternity, to that time with God. Um, verse 14, I know that everything God does will remain forever. There's nothing to add to it. There's nothing to take away from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. In other words, we're not going to come up with a new plan, a new way to escape this world. God's way is the only way. God's plan is the only plan. Um, God's work lasts forever. Um, four kind of sub-points to that, to think through that. Realize that uh, we need to relinquish our self-imposed restrictions. Why? Because God's ways are appropriate. When we want to say, well, I want to I do it this way. How about uh, the Sabbath day? That's a time restriction. First day of every week for the believer. So I, no, I want to do it every way. I, I always, I always um, kind of just cringe when somebody, I'm going to make Thursday my Sabbath day. 
And I go, oh, I don't like that thought. Because you're, 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 tw- you're twisting God's timeline. You're saying, yes, God needs me to have one day out of seven as a day of resting in Him. But I'm going to determine what day that is. But God's times are appropriate. Not our times. God's times are appropriate. To think through what God's times are and to do it in God's time is totally different because only God's ways are appropriate. Eternity is in our hearts. Yes, we know we need these things, but we've got to quit imposing our own restrictions upon them. Uh, we've got to realize also only God makes things last. You know, I used to play guitar like this, uh, and I used to always wonder, after I got it all tuned up, why couldn't I just weld it right there? You know, I wanted the strings to last. I wanted it to always be in tune. I didn't want to have to do it over and over and over. You know, why can't it happen that way? Because God didn't design it that way. God designed it differently, and we've got to realize only God makes it last. We don't make it last. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Only God can make your life last. You have to believe in Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you will perish. That's, that's the way it is. Only God makes life last. Christ says, I came that you might have life have it abundantly, have it eternally. Only I can give you that gift, Christ says. Um, He alone makes things last. We're not going to create something and make it last. Um, Why does God do it this way? Why does He restrict us so? I think because He wants our submission to Him. We must recognize He's the King of kings. He is the Lord of time. God desires our submission to Him. And he wants our submission on our time to him. I bet a lot of us feel too busy. That needs to make us stop and think, who created this schedule? Are we too busy because of our time? Uh, Plans? Are we really being submissive to Christ? Make me wonder about Christ's time on earth. You don't, when you read the Gospels, you don't get the impression really that Jesus was too busy. There were a few times where he told his disciples, look, you guys are too busy. Let's stop. Let's go, place, go away to a secluded place. Let's, uh, let's have some, some quiet time, so to speak. So he does that. But you don't get that impression with Jesus over and over. You, you never read through the Gospels, you know, somebody knocking on Jesus' door and says, um, excuse me, uh, Jesus, uh, maybe it's, you know, Peter or somebody. Peter says, I hate to to break up the private devotions, you know. Uh, But we we, we got places to go. We we got things to do. We're supposed to meet the woman at the well at 830. And then we got Levi a little bit later on. And then you're supposed to be at uh, someone's house for lunch. And you've got that Capernaum rally. And we've got all these things we've got to do. And we will just be able to get it all done. Long as there aren't too many paralytics on cots or tax collectors up trees. You know, we'll, we'll get it done. They don't just seem to rush out to do this, 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 this. Sometimes that's the way our lives are built. 
on, on such a tight schedule that we're not even thinking about this list. Is this a time to, to stop and embrace? A time to, in, to, to bring healing? A time to pursue peace? A time to pursue instruction, training, building up? Time to tear down? What time really is it according to God, not just according to what I want to do with my life? Uh, Jesus, you read several times when you, you search the word time, there were times when they wanted to push Jesus into Jerusalem several times, and Jesus responded, no, my time, this is literally his words, my time has not come. He knew what time it was. It's not time to go to Jerusalem yet. I'm going. It's part of my plan. It's one of my goals is to die in Jerusalem, but it's not now. And then later on in his ministry, they said, why are you doing what you, you're doing? And he says, well, because my time is near. We're getting closer. We're on a schedule. And I'm following through with the plans. But all of those plans included the right things at the right time. Um, Christ includes time for laughing. Time for dancing. Time for rejoicing. Time for food and drink. And we, we see that through his life. We see that in this text. And, you know, that's not something that quickly gets on my calendar. I think about things I need to do, and I don't insert in between. Wait, wait, stop right here and rejoice. Stop right here maybe and just chill and have something to drink. Have something to eat. And maybe have a time of dancing before the meal. Do we have those kind of times? Times that God has designed that gives our life such balance and completeness that we realize we're under a creator. This is a life that's so good. It's so abundant. He's created so much. And yet, we don't really get time conscious on the things that God would have us. So how do we make the most of our time? I think verse 12 and 13 are crucial to this. It says, I know there's nothing better. It's interesting, this phrase here is repeated four times in the book of Ecclesiastes, so it's a pretty serious uh, refrain. Verse 12, I know that there's nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Love that phrase, but I don't spend enough time making it part of my goals. I know there's nothing better for them than to rejoice. We come on the Lord's Day, and part of our time here is always rejoicing in God's goodness. That's ordained of God. We need to see that and make that God repeating. So if you hear this refrain four times in this book... There's nothing better for you than to rejoice. And then there's this ministry to do good in one's lifetime. One of the things some of our latest pandemic mandates have, is restricting the world from doing is in-person good works. Nothing better for us to do than to be with one another doing good for one another and to one another. Um, 
I got a letter yesterday, read it this morning, from the executive director of prison ministries in South Carolina. And he said one of the, the terrible things about uh, this COVID season, he says, I haven't been in a prison in eight months. I thought, wow, that's so sad, because that's what he does for a living. He visits the prisoner and ministers to the prisoner. And the COVID rules restrict him from rejoicing in that work and doing good. Saying, oh, you just need to do it by Zoom. It's not the same ministry at all. He's hungering and thirsting for more of what God has called him to do. And that's to rejoice and do good every day. To find something to rejoice in. To do good. Um, times are going to pass. This good life is going to pass. Enjoy the time you have. Rejoice in what God has given you. Uh, several times this week, I made a conscious effort to start my prayer uh, with others, with myself, by saying, Lord, thank you for the gift of this day. This day. This moment. Let me rejoice now. Because this moment's going to be gone, and I would have missed it if I don't stop and rejoice and do something good with the time that God has given me. Um, Quality time's not automatic, is it? It's just not. We have to plan that. We have to stop and say, I know there's nothing better than to turn this quantity time into quality time. I need to rejoice now. I need to do something good now. Um, I didn't finish reading all that. Verse 13, uh, Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It's the gift of God. Talked about that a little bit last week to stop at the end of portions of the day or the day and just take a drink, take something to eat and reflect, Lord, this has been good. This is good. You're, you're learning to emulate God who created the world in six days. And after each part of that, he stops and says, and this is good. Let's rejoice in the gift of abilities, intellect, time, place to do something good. And when that good is accomplished, to reflect upon it. Um, like I said, quality is, is not automatic. We, we know there's a difference between uh, discussing the scriptures with your children and playing on the playground. Both are needed. But there's a different quality about it. There's a difference in going to the movies and going camping. There's just a different quality of life that's going to be experienced that way. There's difference in doing a meal with someone like Thanksgiving and just watching a football game. There's a different quality. Do, do we bring quality to the life God has given us rejoicing in that quality and doing good. The quality happens when we know we're doing good. We're engaged in a ministry, and that ministry must be pursued. It just doesn't happen automatically. So how do you pursue it? Well, I think, as I think through that, how do I pursue more quality in my life and not just a quantity evaluation of time. I've got to evaluate my time use and I've got to determine whether or not 
what I'm doing is helping me to accomplish my goals. And, and some general goals uh, that you might have, uh, that we all have. Um, it's, it's the goal to provide uh, food. It's the goal to provide love. It's the goal to provide instruction. Does it think through family life? So what I'm doing right now, whatever it is, is it, is it helping me to make provision for my household? For their physical needs? Is it helping me to instruct them, to build them up, to edify them? Is it helping me to love them, embrace them, care for them? If it's not doing that, it's probably not much quality to it. See, it's just quantity time. It's just time spent. And you don't get it back. So we all have those goals. We've got to evaluate our time. What is our time being used rejoicing? Doing good to provide, to instruct, to love. Evaluate our time use. Then eliminate the non-essentials. Those things that aren't helping you to achieve. Um, and it could be simple stuff. At times, you know, I thought about over Thanksgiving. At times, we, we need to eliminate the microwave. I love a microwave. I ate breakfast in 30 seconds this morning. I mean, just, bam, it's done. I love a microwave. But what quality when you fry turkey for an hour with your sons and you sit around that fry pot and just talk? You don't get that by sticking it in the microwave for 30 seconds and hit, 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 heat. You know, it's, it's different. So think about our time. How can we use this time to rejoice and to do something good that loves and instructs and provides? How can we eliminate stuff uh, from our lives that are really just occupying time but destroying quality? And then obviously enrich our time uh, with Christ-centered ministry. What, what can we be doing good? Good for God, good for His people, and good for His world. Um, Sometimes there's no real right and wrong answers. There's the answers both. You remember the Mary Martha story that's so popular in the scripture where um, Martha's fixing the food for the meal for Jesus and his disciples and Mary's just sitting at his feet. Tell me more. Tell me more. And then Martha gets really ticked. I mean, she's frustrated because... She's had a hard day, and she needs a little help, and why isn't Mary helping? And so finally she just burst on the scene and says, Jesus, tell her to do what she's supposed to do. Good grief. And Jesus doesn't say, you're right, Martha. Yeah, Mary, get in there, help in the kitchen. Jesus says, Martha, both are needed. We're obviously going to need the meal and the food and all of that, but... How many opportunities, how many times will you have the King of Kings sitting at your table? How many times will you have Jesus in your house? How many opportunities will you have to sit at his feet? Mary's figured that out, and she's chosen the better thing right now. She has come to sit at my feet and ask questions and, and be instructed. And that's, that's a quality that you're missing, Martha. It's just a quality. We need your work, but 
there's a quality here you're missing. And certainly we can do both. But just to kind of lay it out there, for her to stop, stop and evaluate, what am I missing in this picture? How can I do both things, accomplish my goals and still bring the quality of time rejoicing in God and doing good with God and for God and for others? That's an evaluation of our time that I think is greatly needed. Isaiah said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Meaning there's a time where that's gone. You may be here and you've just been ignoring God in your time. Seek the Lord while he may be found. The Apostle Paul said in Corinthians, he says, today is the day of salvation. Meaning every day is not that day. The day is. And you need to take a... It, uh, 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 this opportunity to seek the Lord, to run to Christ, to say, Christ, change me. Be my Lord, my master. Some of you need to heed those words that are time sensitive. We only have so much time. Your life can be radically changed when you start realizing that and you submit to the Lord of time and seek him to bring the quality in your life that makes your days abundant. Let's pray together. Father, what a, a big subject that you've given us here in Ecclesiastes 3 to, to try to evaluate our days, the time spent, the time that's gone, the time that's coming, and to learn to rejoice and to do good, and to submit to you, knowing the days are evil. Lord, help us to make the most of our time. If we've been running through this world, busy, 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 but missing a rejoicing in Christ, our Creator, our Savior, our Redeemer, let us find you now. And Lord, let us never turn you loose. May with the preparation of every meal, with every task, with every conversation, may we learn to choose quality. May we learn to choose to rejoice when rejoicing is necessary, to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to provide, to instruct, to love, to do what you would do, O Christ, given the time that we have under the sun. Forgive us, Lord, of such poor use of time. Forgive us. May you truly be Lord of time in our life going forward. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.